Alright, ready? Two, three, four. Song, song of the south. Sweet potato pie and shove it shove it in my mouth. Go, gone, gone with, with the wind. wind. Ain't nobody looking back again. That is, you, were right, you were right, that is Alabama. Uh, and I listened to it on the way over here. Not a bad song. Um, is, what Do you think that he's saying, yo, if I am, no matter what, if you fucking shove some sweet potato pie in my face... I will shut my mouth. I will shut the fuck up because I, that, that's, that's the deal breaker. Like, it, it, it's, his, it's his weakness. It's like... It's like Turkish delight to those uh, kids in uh, in the line the, the witch in the wardrobe. <laughs> I, this might be the second episode where we've talked about Turkish delight. Are you are you, are you saying that the uh, the guys from the guys from Alabama have access to Narnia or like some southern version of Narnia? No, I'm where saying, is Southern Narnia? I'm, I'm just saying that they uh, it's called Dorn. <laughs> Uh, I'm saying that they really, like, I feel like they could have come up with a different, like, you know, they say, uh, sweet potato pie and I'll shut my mouth. Is it, and I'll shut my mouth? I believe it's sweet potato pie and get my mouth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut my mouth. Yeah. Um, gone, gone with the wind. So it's like two offensive movies and, um, and yeah, even, even at the end. They shorten the chorus to where the the crowd is just saying "sweet potato pie, shut my mouth." <laughs> That's Do, all it takes is "sweet potato pie." Us here on the podcast, we are some southern gentlemen. I ran into a carpetbagger from Chicago, Illinois, peddling some snake oil he calls Malort. Sipping on Malort tastes like it threw up on your mouth. Maybe like an earwax tugging on. I lost it. I don't know. No, 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 no. You fed him. That shit does not get me hyped. Oh. But you know, it's the first time I've ever heard it, so. Tim, here you. I I love Leonard Skinnerd. I always got uh, Alabama confused with the band America. Uh, of the uh, horse with no name fame. Uh, I would sometimes get Alabama confused with Chicago. Oh, really? Chicago, much better band. Uh, and Chicago, I would also get confused with Boston. But Boston, I never Boston, even better band. I got none of them confused. I with would sometimes Kansas. get the Chicago song uh, confused with Brain Stew that was like din 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 I'm having trouble trying to sleep. I got it. I got it confused just then, too. Yeah. I didn't know if you were doing the Chicago one or the Green Day one. Uh, so, real talk, well, though. Wait, I, wait, I'm, wait. Before we get to real talk, why why were we creating, why are we making an Alabama podcast if you didn't want to listen to Alabama songs? Uh, we're not making an Alabama podcast. I thought we were talking about Song of the South. All, all I've done for three days is research Alabama. Uh, we are taking a step back um, from from the Silver Age and doing one that we should have covered before. One of the darkest chapters in Disney's history. Don't look at me. 
like that. <laughs> um, the uh, banned now in um, a lot of countries, and uh, th- yeah, Disney did a, 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 a quite the attempt to sweep this one under the rug. Uh, Song of the South from 1946. Um, it's about, I'd say, one quarter animated feature, the rest of it live action. Um, and the movie did really fucking well. Um, but um, you can't find it anywhere. It ain't on Disney+. Plus. So we're, we're, we're stepping outside the bounds of the House of Mouse in that you cannot find this on Disney+. Plus. Yet. So subtract that from Plus and Cousin. This is Minus and Cousin. Uh, oh yeah, that's our show. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm as as always. I'm your host Timothy Q Mouse, and I'm Brer Deefy. <laughs> okay, you know uh, you know what Brer means, brother. Yeah, Brer. Uh, this, Bro- I mean brother. I I went to uh, well. It's we're gonna stop calling each other bro and start calling each other Brer. Brer. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Brer? Uh, also, uh, say Brer. Also, uh, in some some variations of some of these stories, they're just called Buh. Really? Yeah, like B U H. Buh. Buh bear. Buh. Buh rabbit. Sub bro. Sub bro. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Here, here we go. We're slipping into we're slipping into uh, mimicking some of the dialect, and this is one of the reasons that we're not streaming right. That's now. how I talk. Mm-hmm. I say sub bro all the time. Yeah. Uh, so you you want to chug some of this carpet bagger swill, and then uh, talk like foghorn leghorn for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I say, I say, it would be offensive if we tried to use voices for this uh, entire episode. Yeah, that, uh, you know what's really funny is that uh, is how much they, how much like actual Southerners uh, or, or like dialect expert experts made fun of Kevin Spacey's attempt to um, to be a Southerner on what was that fucking show, House of Cards? House of Cards. Yeah, because they said that he sounded like some kind of uh, like late eighteen hundreds fucking. Um, Colonel Sanders, Southern man. I say, I say, I am a senator, and I yeah. will murder I, a woman. I'm just a lowly majority house whip. I am clearly from Kentucky. Did it, you like that show? I the first season was good. Uh, there, there's that lady in that show. The 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 uh, spoiler alert: the one who gets pushed in front of a subway train. Yeah, I hate. Kate Mara. I, I don't like her as an actress. I'm sure she's a wonderful human. The one that reminds us of Natalie? I just, only because she was in a lot of things that me and Natalie watched. I just don't, I don't like her as a, I don't, I don't like her as an actress. You don't have any reason for that. You just sometimes don't like people. I sometimes don't like people. And for some reason, I don't like her. You know what I do like, though? Carly Rae Jepsen's Malort. <laughs> I think, I think we should start talking about Song of the South. Uh, so... As we've been going through the we're in 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 this phase of this podcast, as we we decided to sort of keep it a little chronological, and focus on the golden age first, and now the silver age, uh, we're dealing with a ton of animation, and I've gotten I've sort of fallen in love with some of these these animators and their styles and their storytelling, but this isn't really one of those those episodes where I get to like focus on the, the art of Disney animation or the, the men. Although you got definite heavy hitters. Oh, you've, you've got heavy hitters. Like Ollie's on this. Milton call is on this. They're working on the thing. They're like, they're there. They're working on everything, but this it's, it's pretty fucking live action heavy. And, and so the, the, when it came to doing research on this thing, there's, there's not a ton to share that's like exciting new breakthroughs in animation or a really great experience for the animators. Cause that's not, that's not what this story is about. And so 
when it comes to the who done it, how they done it, why they don't done it. I don't have a ton in terms of here's the animation process and fucking how did they blend live action and and animation because this isn't this isn't our first time playing around with this. Right. Um, well, I've got a little bit that probably goes back further than further than what what you started with your so, research. Yeah, before we dig into it, I'd really like you to tell me a little bit more about this source material. And, and I, I once we get past the source material, I know why Disney fell in love with these stories. And and this was a... Because everybody fell in love with these stories. They're great! And this is this was a well, this was a passion project for Walt. Uh, these, in the same way that I am excited to share the Chronicles of Narnia with my daughter, and I'm reading them to her at a, at a much too early age to just get her familiar with these characters and the stories stories and the concepts Walt was doing the same thing with with these stories and his kids his daughter very specifically remembers growing up and Walt being all like all right let's put our foot in our hand mm-hmm. and fucking get a move on like that's how he would tell them it's time to let's get in the fucking car or carriage I don't know how 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 really long ago this was but like when well, I mean if Walt's saying it then they're getting in a car when it's time to leave the fucking house he's like all right let's put our fucking foot in our hand let's go yeah. Cigarette hanging it down from his mouth, fucking angry dad. Let's put our foot in our hands. Let's get out of here. Okay, so, um, so the Uncle Remus stories are are what this is all based on, but the Uncle Remus stories are based uh, are, are on stories that are, that are, that are conveyed through an oral tradition. But the Uncle Remus stories were uh, were written and published by a guy named Joel Chandler Harris. Uh, he lived from 1848 to 1908. He was a Georgian journalist. He was born out of wedlock. His mother had a lover in um, Ettenton, Georgia. It looks like Ettenton, but I'm, I'm thinking it's pronounced Ettenton. Um, uh, it's, it's in Georgia in the 1800s? Uh, yeah. It's pronounced Ettenton. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm thinking Ettenton. Edmonton. Um, he the, the, the mother Edmonton. moved to Edmonton to be with 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 said lover who abandoned them uh, shortly after Harris's uh, birth. Um, Can I ask a question, Tim? Yeah, I don't know that I'll have an answer to it yet. Is Joel Chandler Harris a white man? Joel Chandler Harris is definitely a white. Man. Okay. Okay. Uh, her mom befriended. Um, you can't see it because it's an audio podcast, but uh, I I did do. A, uh, air quotes, and those air quotes may or may not be valid, but anyways, there's a rich guy who had a mansion, and he let uh, Harris's mom, also named Harris, um, live in, and, and and Joel Chandler Harris himself, live in a cottage behind his mansion. Uh, he just gave it to him, right? So, Joel Chandler Harris is uh, not a redheaded stepchild. Uh, he's a redheaded bastard. Okay, so he is undersized, carrot-top, freckle-faced, and has a stammer. Okay, so, and he's fatherless. He's a fatherless bastard. Imagine the Favors boys in Song of the South with, uh, with Joel Chandler Harris. Got it. Okay, but he's smart. He's fucking smart, and he's a survivor. He becomes kind of the, uh, the kind of class joker. Hamming it up uh, to, to get attention. And uh, like I said, like I said, he's sharp. He's good with words. He's good with stories. Um, and at a certain point, he um, he gets taken under the wing of a plantation owner named Joseph Addison Turner, uh, who owned a thousand acre um, uh, plantation called Turnwald Plantation. 
Um, the guy, I, I think he his his commodities were corn, cotton, and newspapers. Okay, basically, I think another like an AKA for this whole podcast is the road to hell is paved with good intentions, or fucking life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? Right. You're a fucking bastard redhead stepchild. You got nothing. You're poor as fuck, and you've got this guy that's rich, and he takes you under his wing as his mentor, or rather mentee or whatever. He's the he's the guy, he's the mentor. The yeah, the rich guy's the mentor. Joel yeah, yeah. Chandler Harris mm-hmm. learned to write by setting uh, newspaper printing press shit. Cool. Okay. He, he, this guy made him kind of his protege. Okay, not a good person because he's got fucking slaves. Right. But there's like duality to all humans or whatever. He's trying to help this kid out and and kind of build him up. And he's also disseminating um, words, education, and information out to the masses of this, you know, rural ass part of Georgia right. too. So like, I road to hell, paved good intentions. I don't know, product of their time, whatever. No, you can never, you can never make excuses for a fucking slave owner. But you might be able to make excuses for Joel Chandler Harris as a white kid uh, taking the the fucking breaks that he got. Now, what also happened then? on said plantation with the guy that owned the slaves is that as the fucking reject of all the white kids, Joel Chandler Harris started hanging out in slave quarters, listening to the slaves who kind of accepted him as this like, Hey, it's a little fucking reject white kid. And we're just going to hang out. We're going to tell our stories and shit. And that became the basis for uh, the uncle Remus stories. Um, and it, it became the basis for uncle Remus. It became the basis for what is, what's her name? Tempe. Played by Hattie McDaniel. Yes. Um, and all of the dialect he absorbed like a sponge. And whether you like it or not, this little white kid became a fucking master at regurgitating African American dialect and putting it into print to where you could read it and imagine exactly how it sounded. He's like the Eminem of the 1800s. He wrote 185 Uncle Remus stories after he became. Uh, I mean, he 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 basically he had this duality as as a writer. Um, he was a a journalist, a very professional journalist. But as he got a little bit older, he leaned into. I guess he took over like a dialect section of the newspaper when some guy got sick, and then he became like one one of the nation's most beloved storytellers and dialect masters. Mark Twain wanted to go on the road with him and do readings, but he refused to do it because of his stammer. Wow. He influenced Rudyard Kipling, William Faulkner, uh, Burgess, Pound, Eliot, Joyce, Beatrix Potter, who uh, wrote Peter Rabbit, did uh, a series of illustrations while she was in the process of writing Peter Rabbit. A.A. A. Milne of Winnie the Pooh was heavily influenced, went to bed listening to uh, his father read him, or mother, or whatever, read him Uncle Remus stories. And there are multiple Winnie the Pooh stories that are almost blatant ripoffs of Br'er Rabbit stories. So the Br'er Rabbit character is not an invention of Joel Chandler Harris. Correct. The Br'er Rabbit character is is an, like a mutation an, an evolution of, like, an African trickster god. Like a Nazi. Huh? What? A Nazi? A Nazi. The spider. Are we talking about spiders again? 
<laughs> a, a nonce, like the, the the trickster god, and it, he's an African trickster god, but he like come, he's like. He's like a human spider Loki trickster guy. Like it, there the, are there are the numerous, trickster mythology is numerous iterations of trickster mythology. Yeah, but that, Brer Rabbit is is one of them, and, and Brer Rabbit has also um, been equated. And I think this is a little bit reductive and, and pigeonholy, but it's like oh well, Brer Fox and Brer Bear kind of represent the white man, and Brer Rabbit is kind of the black man who's outsmarting them, um, but. I, I, I think that I think that's a little bit reductive. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's a great fit. No, it's not a great fit. And then, so one of the biggest criticisms of Song of the South is that it's kind of this glorification of this idealized version of like antebellum South, um, where it's kind of given all these passes to all of these horrible fucking practices, um, and Joel Chandler Harris's writings never. Uh, put any of this on a pedestal. Right. In fact, it has been said that he is is laying with like laying into this is this whole system with great criticism um, of, of of the system. But this is this is an interpretation. This is like a this is a reading uh, of this thing. Um, there are black authors who have kind of. Like, there's one named Alice Walker who said, like, fuck this guy. Um, Toni Morrison also wrote a book called Tar Baby. And um, people were like, oh, is this a, an homage to uh, the Uncle Remus story of the Tar Baby or whatever? And she was like, no, um, I don't owe Joel Chandler Harris, this white man, anything. Th- these were the, the Tar Baby mythos and story is something that was, like, in my family before any of that shit. Right. What you cannot deny, though, is that Joel Chandler Harris, white man as he may be, um, absorbed these stories and disseminated them among the masses uh, more than really anybody. So he's like the Led Zeppelin of the 1800s. Totally great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, he, he was very good at what he did. And now I'm going to have you read... A little bit of his work. Out loud. I'm scared. Because I know Uh, what's going to happen here. uh, Just start there at the top, if you don't mind. And just read what you see. Is this your Kindle? Yeah. This This is the story of the Tar Baby as told by Joel Chandler Harris. As told by Uncle Remus. Um, who is... Dictating uh, what uh, Br'er Rabbit and uh, the rest of them say, yeah. as in as read by Br'er, as, as, read, as read by, by Br'er Deefy. Uh, yeah, as read by Br'er Deefy. I'm going to learn you how to talk to respectable folk of Hits Deluxe. Says Br'er Rabbit. Says he, if you don't take off that hat and tell me howdy, I'm going to bust you wide open. Sees, Tar Baby, stay still, and Br'er Fox. He lay low. Br'er Rabbit keep on axing him, and the Tar Baby she keep on saying nothing. Twelve presently Br'er Rabbit draw back with his fist. He did, and Blipper Tucker side he did the head. <laughs> right dar's where he broke her's molasses jug. His fist stuck and he can't pull loose. 
Datar. Okay, we're getting Hilton. into spoiler territory here, but that, that's Datar, baby. She stays still. See, I could do a much better job of this than you, but uh, I could have done a much better. You want you want me to do it again? No, no. I, I don't think we need to do that. Uh, I mean, let me do it again for you, Tim. <laughs> Anyways, we're not gonna read out uh, any of that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, getting into the story of the tar baby a little bit like makes me f- like think about the the just awful smell and taste of actual tar. You tasted tar? When I'm thinking about the smell and taste of tar, I can only think of one thing. That's Carly Rae Jepsen's oh, Malort. Man. You don't need to. I can. I can Malort alone if you're still healing your kidneys and your livers. No, I, I can handle it. I did. Uh, I actually did considerable damage to my liver on on my on my lonesome um, by taking too much Tylenol. So I feel. Oh, good lord, that's bad. I feel that as he's writing these things, it's he he writes at the same way that many of us write with that stream of consciousness, like writing down. It's no different than you writing the word "I'm gonna" g u n n a. Right? There's there's not a ton of difference there. Uh, I would I would write g o n n a, but carry on. I'm a g u n n a guy. Okay, well. Fidinda is F-I-D-D-I-N-T-A. I'd say uh, I'd say Finna is uh, F-I-N-N-A. See, so why why is I think that why I, is gonna G-O-N-N-A for you? Because that's how it's spelled. How do you say it? Say the word gonna. Gonna. Now spell the word gonna. G-O-N-N-A. See, I'm a gonna, which I feel is G-U-N-N-A. Gonna. There's there's a difference there, and I I, I think that. Having grown up in these slave quarters, he's he's writing it the way he. Heard I don't think he it. grew up in them. I think he he hung out there a lot. Well, I, th- I in the same way that these are his friends, right? Like, is is that what I'm is that what I'm led to believe? Like, he I he is the Johnny of this thing, right? No, I don't think so. But is Johnny in the in are the tales? Okay, of, so what what so there there are. 185 of these things. Now, okay. is this sort of like an Aesop's fables? Yes. Like the, oh, absolutely. So there, there's not, there's no plot around the tales. These are literally. There, there is a plot around the tales. So, but, but it's like, how are they tied together like a fucking Sherlock Holmes, where it's like piece, piece, piece mystery, or is it like what, what's the plot? I mean, I gotta be honest tales? with you, I didn't read that many of them, but from what, from what I understand, it's the little boy coming up, and his mom is Miss Sally. Got it. Um, and he's just called the little boy. And most of it is, you know, there's like, oh, here you, here you, you came up to my cottage or whatever. So the little boy is a character in these Joel the little Chandler boy, Harris the, tales. The, the little boy is definitely a character. There we go. Um, and there is like this kind of meta story around the Br'er Rabbit stories and stuff. But they, 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 they really don't focus on Uncle Remus all that much, except that he is definitely the, the purveyor of the tales. He's, he's the one who, who does the stories. Now, this is pure conjecture at this point, right? This is me guessing. This is me having spent the last year of my life reading and learning about sort of what made Disney tick. But if we think about Walt Disney growing up the way Walt Disney grew up and the where, right, where 
we're talking Walt Disney grew up in rural town Missouri, right? So these these stories or some version of them were with him when he grew up as well. Uh, and so you can see how Walt Disney being a very there are mul- there are lots of levels and layers to Walt, right? And we but we it, the road to hell is paved with good intentions here. Like Walt grew up with these stories and I, I feel like we're in a situation where it makes a lot of sense that Walt's parents, whether we know this to be true or not, would have shared versions of these tales with him growing up as well, right? Well, so, I mean, like, it doesn't he, necessarily have, even have to be versions. They could mean, these, be these, these were, very specifically. Yeah. They, they were popular at the time. Uh, so the concept of Walt sharing these with his own children and this project for him was was a big deal. But I, I think as we, in the same way that Joel Chandler Harris sort of fell into writing these stories based on his upbringing and sharing sharing this this piece of culture that he had a little peek into is is sort of the the idea that Walt had when he said I want to fucking do this. Yeah, but they handled it very very sloppily. They weren't I, ready to tell that story and they, you know, again, this wasn't it, it's, Disney's it's too fucking soon. It's like it's like segregation hasn't even. They, I don't. I don't even know when they fucking even started talking about getting rid of segregation. But I mean, these motherfucker, these actors that that were in this thing couldn't even go to the goddamn premieres. All right. So we've established that yes, this motherfucker is problematic. And I had seen, like, I tried to watch this a few weeks back on YouTube, but you can really only get bits and pieces and clips, and you can find the cartoon pieces everywhere. And in those cartoon bits. Yeah, and, and I'd like to give a shout-out to archive.org for having this shit literally archived and available to watch for, like, education educational purposes. That's where we watched it. So. We Yeah, and uh, I actually, through archive.net, the Wayback Machine, uh, found the website songofthesouth.net, which looks... Oh, it looks like a terrible fucking, like, it's, GeoCities fucking website from the 90s. Yes, like, yeah. but it's still being updated. It's a passion project for someone. Uh, so I don't, like, I don't want to give it... It's the, uh, it's the, the editor-in-chief of the Daily Stormer. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much kudos to the guy who puts together Song of the South.net because I don't know that his intentions are pure. Uh, every, from everything I saw, it, it 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 doesn't seem to have any kind of. Uh... I think me and this guy have. Um, I so I I watched fucking clips on YouTube and I've seen the cartoons and like moving into this thing. The only the only thing you can really feel is without everything taken in context and and knowing the the stories and and where they came from and why it really just looks like a fucking minstrel show right like it's it is it is bad and so the first time i tried to watch this i had trouble actually getting through it at first cuz it it is it is bad right like that that piece of it is is rough and so just the the clips of uncle remus out of context before the cartoons and you think holy fuck how am i even going to get to this thing so i walked into this picture thinking oh my god this is going to be the most racist thing we've ever watched in our lives and then i was surprised because yes still 
there are issues that well, need to be like discussed Disney, here. It's not like Disney is just going to start sucking at telling stories. Right. They've been doing, they've been telling stories, they've been making movies, and they've been adapting uh, beloved literary works for a, a minute now. So, again, this is a situation where in this situation, without apologizing for the people that made the wrong decision at this time when this thing came out, the intent was there. And that I didn't think I would ever think that watching bits and pieces of it. When taken as a whole, it is clear that the intention was good. The execution of making that decision was the wrong thing to do. We're we're looking at a situation where this was a project that Walt really wanted to do. So it's it's nineteen forty six and this was one of those So I I always um bristle about you know you talking about the year. I don't we're not talking about the history of the year. Well I I would rather that you did though. Right. If you got anything. I, well, I don't have a ton about the year. I know that it took Walt a few years uh, to buy the rights to this thing. Like, he had to talk to the family and say, this is what I want to do with it. This of is- Harris? Yeah, the Harris family. Uh, it took him four years, I want to say, to to actually buy the rights to this thing. Um, and he really wanted to buy the rights to this thing. And this was a situation where most of the time when it comes to Walt... What Walt says, what Walt says, when when it comes to Walt, what Walt says fucking goes right. And there were plenty of people in this situation that were like, Walt, bro, I don't know, man. Like, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. Like, you think maybe Walt should have listened to him? No, I'm glad this thing exists. And I think that there is a lesson to be learned. And I, I'm i putting this out there. I'm putting this on the record right fucking now. I think it should get re-released. And I think we should be allowed to talk about it together. And I'm not alone in that thought. But we'll talk more about that later when we talk about this thing being out there. So Walt buys the rights to this thing. But he knows very early on that he's going to need some help telling this story appropriately. And so he, he, you know, he calls in his friends and a lot of his friends were like, man, I feel a little weird about this one, dude. Like, I don't know if we should do this. And so Walt decides to surround himself uh, with with people that he thinks can make this happen. So he hires a guy named Dalton Raymond. And now Dalton Raymond is from the South. And Walt knows that as a screenwriter, Dalton... Uh, might take things a little bit too far in the you can't fucking do that Dalton you racist piece of shit area Uh, so Walt also hires a guy named Maurice Rapf and now the idea behind behind hiring Maurice is that Maurice may be the dude that can make sure that this thing doesn't steer too far off the rails. And so, Why is that? Because uh, Maurice was a fucking commie Jew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, swear to God. Uh, and so uh, Walt calls Maurice and says, hey, man, uh, I'm going to need you to work with Dalton. I know you guys don't see eye to eye on shit. I, in my head, when I'm learning about these guys, I feel like Dalton was full MAGA <laughs> and Maurice was, you know, uh, a human. 
Uh, and so Walt hires Maurice and, uh, Walt hires Raph because Raph's a minority. He's a, he's a Jew and he's, uh, uh, they, they could describe him as outspoken left winger, but he's a full blown fucking communist. Uh, and, and Disney is on record saying that he was afraid that this movie would be uncle Tomish Dalton Raymond, who is probably a piece of shit, uh, gets teamed up with Maurice Rapp, who again, left wing commie. Uh, and, uh, Walt actually says to Rapp at some point, this is why I want you to work on it, bud. I know that you don't think I should make this movie and you're against uncle Tomism. You're radical, dude. He didn't say the dude part, but he did call him a radical. Uh, Before radical meant cool. So, yeah. So, Walt is making these decisions because he... I feel like I'm going to like Walt less and less as he gets older. I I love Walt Disney with all his fucking freckles and foibles and moles and disgusting... I... He... It's... Art from the uh, art from the fucking artist, man. Separate the art from the artist on this one. Walt Disney changed the goddamn world. Yeah, but world. there are phases. And I don't think this was one of his bad ones. Okay. Well, He's literally hiring commies before all all hell breaks loose. We'll talk about that actually fucking happens here. So Rap tells Walt no. He's like, fuck you. I don't want to work on your fucking, on this. I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> but then Walt's all like, listen, man, I'm giving you control here. Like, Dalton's going to fuck this up. We need to make this right. You get rewrites. I, it seems like he should have maybe re, like rehired the Dalton guy. So here's what happens. It's like, I got to bring in this whole team to make sure that this guy doesn't destroy them. well you 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 need dalton's your southern voice in this too like yeah, it, there's a bunch of people in the south i i feel like i feel like what walt was trying here was a yin yang scenario where he was putting these two people together to fucking erase their fucking foibles and and highlight their creative talents and and hope for the best here road to hell is paid for good good intentions right uh because rap and dalton immediately start fighting and rap only works on this thing for about six six months or so before him and Dalton straight up get into it. Like they try their fucking hardest and, and Ralph is all like, nah, dude, I can't do it. So later, uh, it turns out this guy is actually kind of a badass. Uh, cause I went to look him up. Dalton just sounded like a dick to be honest, but, uh, I, I went and looked him up a little bit. Uh, and he, so this is 46 when this comes out, right? So we haven't quite gotten to the, the witch hunts of the fifties, the communist right, witch right, hunts. Right, the McCarthyism stuff. Yeah. So we, we haven't gotten to all of that. Uh, and so for Maurice, he's open about this shit. Here's Maurice right there. Take a little, take a little gander. Does he not look like a nice guy? Looks like a great guy. He looks like a fucking good dude. Look at that fucking smile, man. Uh, and so Maurice joins the commie party uh, in the 50s, and he's super open about it. Now, when when Maurice gets in a fight with Dalton, Disney doesn't want to get rid of Maurice. He fucking loves this guy. He put him on this project on purpose. So he sends them down the hallway to talk to the folks working on Cinderella. It's before HR existed. Because this shit's happening at the same time. And so Maurice actually was very integral in the initial screenwriting process 
for Cinderella. Like it was Maurice's idea, Maurice Rapp. It was his idea that this shit only goes down until midnight because he didn't want Cinderella to have everything fucking handed to her. He wanted the fairy godmother to say, I'm going to help you get there. But once you're there, it's on you. You need to figure this shit out. You need to work it out. I'm going to get you to the ball, but come midnight, it's on you, bitch. That was Maurice's idea. Uh, Unfortunately, because of the timeline of release on this thing, uh, and again, man, this is one of those fuck you Disney scenarios, but Maurice never got credit for his work on Cinderella. You, can talk about, you want to talk about fucking uncredited Because roles. he got blacklisted for, for communism. Mm. And fuck you, Joe McCarthy, and that shit. So um, that was, from the fucking get, this thing was clearly a bad idea. And it was cursed in the sense that, like... Man, having these people write these stories together doesn't even work. If you've got your your screenwriters can't get along because this might be too much for a couple of white dudes to fucking tackle, then just stop. At that point, just stop. Um, and every actor in this thing has gone on the record to say, I don't regret doing what I did. Um, if I If I ever thought that I was making a decision that would that would be at the detriment of anyone. I would have never made the movie in the first place. Every actor, white and black has gone on record saying, I loved my experience. I loved working with Walt. I loved working with Disney. I was only ever respected. But again, that's not to say this shit might not have been a good idea. So do we want to get into the movie? Is there more pre-production stuff? Uh, no, like, I mean, we obviously... Because I don't, I don't think it's going to take that long to get through this movie. No, um, I, obviously, like, the, there there are some incredible animation sequences, but this wasn't... But we'll, we'll, why don't we talk about them when we get to them? Yeah, this wasn't Walt's first foray into live action and animation. And so it, you 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 you, uh, you said you like you enjoyed watching this. I actually had a great time. Addie loved it. Really? Addie loved it. it, is, it is, she she rarely pays attention to shit like this and the quality on this thing was not good but she loved watching the bear and fox they were they were very well animated yeah um so there we start off they're in a carriage um we're talking about uh we're talking about Johnny his mom Sally Miss Sally and their dad they're going to grandma's house uh, plantation in the south, uh, away from Atlanta. We're somewhere in Georgia. Johnny asks, uh, well, is Grandma mad at what you wrote in the newspaper? Because Georgie said that uh, that everybody's mad at what you wrote in the newspaper. So I'm wondering, what the fuck is this guy writing in the newspaper? I'm they, gonna... never, they never... They never say what he's writing in the newspaper. I, th- and I'm wondering I if think it's, if it's, 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 it's hinted that... I, I think we are supposed to make the assumption that he is very pro-abolition. But they... Okay. So they're getting run out of Atlanta because his thoughts that he's writing in the newspaper are too fucking progressive. Like, people... So so we have to assume... But he's going back. Okay, so he's he's moving his family... You're saying he's moving his family to... He's moving his family... A plantation away from Atlanta to keep them safe from the progressive ideas of the urban center? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I honestly couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get a pin on it. They, they, they don't really allude to, I mean, it's post emancipation. Um, that is, yes. But it's also still deep South. 
Um, and that's why he's in trouble for the shit he's writing in the newspaper. He's writing fucking left wing editorials. The thing that makes me believe that he's they're running away from. Which there's no textual context. To, the, well, the, yeah. the the context here is: Does grandma like what you write? Or does grandma read what you write in the newspaper? And it's yes, your grandmother reads it, and yes, she fucking loves it. And then later, which I took as a complete fucking lie. Oh no, I I took it as truth. I I. His dad's a is, is a fool, but I don't. I I've never seen him. I've never been led to believe that he would lie to the kid. <laughs> okay, so they get to the plantation, and uh, Johnny, played by Bobby Driscoll, uh, we don't need to. We, we're talking enough about uh, lots of actors that matter more than Bobby Driscoll. We're going to see a lot of Bobby Driscoll. We are going to see a lot of Bobby Driscoll for a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, not enough, as far as I'm concerned. Kid's a good actor. Kid's a good actor. Kid's a good singer. Um, anyways, uh, Miss Miss, what what what's what's the the mom, uh, the grandma's name is Dotri. Dodie. Dot. Dottie. What, 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 grandma. Fucking grandma. Grandma. Call her grandma. Grandma assigns an attendant to to Johnny, which is Toby. Um, tend 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 to this child. That is she that I I did have I she, at no point was there a question there it was she was very specifically telling Toby no she lords over she lords over this throng of yeah. black people uh, and uh, at some point there there was a little bit of there was a little moment there where another attendant named Nick is removing the uh, the trunk from the back of the carriage mm-hmm. and it's a very old white lady clutching her po- purse moment where it sure looks like. Johnny is about to say to his mom, I think that black guy is stealing our trunk. <laughs> uh, yeah. But instead, he's all like, is that black guy the only other black guy I've ever heard of? Is, yeah. Is that black guy Uncle Remus? Which reminded me uh, immediately when that he, happened. He one, I thought... It's a Tempe. One, I thought uh, that might have been a problem. And two, I was uh, immediately reminded of how in the 1990s, my little brother as a small child thought... Oh, that every black man was Michael Irving? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Tempe for a second. Um, Tempe being kind of the... Worst city in Florida. <laughs> you talking about Tampa? <laughs> um, Tempe being um, Tempe's in Arizona. <laughs> God damn it! No, temp, uh, Aunt Aunt Tempe, um, played by Hattie McDaniel. Uh, she's in in the cart with them, and she is she's the mammy. She's the mammy character. Hattie McDaniel. Uh, I believe she, you mean to say Academy Award winning Hattie McDaniel. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Um, Hattie McDaniel won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role as literally the character Mammy in Gone with the Wind. And she, uh, just like uh, James Baskett, was not allowed to attend the premiere because segregation was still in full effect. Um, and at the Academy Awards, she sat at her own table, segregated from everybody else, um, to receive her, her, her Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. And um, she was harangued by her own people for being an Uncle Tom and playing into the, um, the white narrative of the caricature of a black person. And that's all she ever got to play. Well, um, yeah, and she said about it, um, why should I feel bad about 
making $700 a week to play a maid rather than making seven bucks a week actually being one. Which I thought was pretty cool. She's such a badass. Yeah. And yeah, she was a singer. She was a, a fucking performer. You get to hear her sing in this movie. Maybe we'll play a little clip of that. But uh, yeah, she's a fucking legend. Yeah, and she fucking nails it. She's so good at what she does. Anyways, um, yeah, he, he asks her, is that Uncle Remus? She says, no. That did Nick. Um, we what, never see Nick again. What 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 the hell's going on with the dad? I get he's he's taking off. He's going back to Atlanta to to solve for shit. Um, and then we get the Bobby Driscoll tears. Bobby Driscoll. He can, he can turn on them waterworks. He, his his ugly cry face is one of the best ugly cry faces in the world of all time and later when he ugly cries again in slow motion it is the at the same time the least believable and most believable ugly ugly cry i have ever seen in my life and i am a great big fan there's a magic on these premises johnny can feel it that's a really cool scene in that um he's he's kind of getting sucked into the spell of uncle remus before he even meets him um I, un- uncle remus is is almost this this like folk deity he's like the trickster that Br'er rabbit is too um you've got basically all of the denizens of of this plantation kind of celebrating the folklore of uncle remus as the kid is kind of getting sucked into the tractor beam of Uncle Remus. And literally, as he's leaving the song, that is... I mean, you said something about Aesop's fables, right? Like, right. It's almost as if um, as if Uncle Remus's tales are literally spinning the fabric of this world and, and how, how the creation happens in it. Uncle- he, he, he kind of seeks out of these songs, celebrating it into literally one of Uncle Remus's stories and, and this that is, he's eavesdropping This on. is full traditional storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, this goes all the way back. These these are these are the fables. These are the explanation myths, right? Like, this is, th- these are the stories. How did the, how did the fucking pig get its curly tail, right? Why does it fucking rain? These are, these are the creation myths. Uncle Remus is laid out in that song as the storyteller. Mm-hmm. That That is a huge role, um, regardless of, of, of where you are. Like he's the apostle, right? Like he is the teller 
of the tales, and that's whether Native American, yeah, or, no, it's, or it's Africa, very, it's very it's, like shamanistic, it's full, yeah. it's full shamanistic with with this culture. I, other than the fact that those are clearly a bunch of fucking nineteen forties white ladies with curly hair, it's a great scene. Is that what you think? I yes. I I think we've got your your main actors, but I think the the chorus sounds a lot like the chorus that they have used for every movie for the last nine years. You don't think that the the people in that shot? I think the people in that shot are are black. I think the people in the recording are white. No shit. Yeah. Well, um, fucking sounds like. Sounds like goddamn Bing Crosby. Sure. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. there's there's, I, I think there's that, no part of this you, that you sounds like you, Duke you Ellington. That's you, Bing goddamn Crosby. You don't you don't think that um that maybe that I mean one of one of those ladies sounded kinda of a little bit Ella Fitzgerald. Yes, yeah. absolutely, but she's sprinkled in. She's the main chorus is a bunch of white. Okay, people. we don't know. We don't know. But um they we don't have a Cliff Edwards situation going on this time around. Yet. Um, we kind of do. Okay. Well, well, I guess I guess we'll. I don't know that. We'll get to it when we when we do. Um, Johnny is telling Uncle Remus, "Yo, I'm getting the fuck out." Oh, well. First of all, um, Uncle Remus spots uh, Johnny hiding behind a tree while he's telling um, while he's telling one of his Brer Rabbit stories to the other kids. But he keeps telling. He keeps telling it, and uh, then, I don't know, somebody comes up and says, hey, fucking uh, Johnny's missing. We can't find it's him. It's Toby. Toby's like, I'm in deep shit. Have, has anybody seen Johnny? And then uh, Uncle Remus says, uh, just tell, tell Miss Sally he's with me. Which which hints at this idea that, that Sally and, and Uncle Remus have a have a pretty great relationship there's no hint all things considered he used to tell her stories and so here here's okay which is why her her fucking turning her back on him is that much more of a fucking slap in the face later on but we'll get to that but what i here's how this this sort of played out in my head as i'm filling in the gaps right was i sort of saw this as a situation where miss sally grew up on this plantation, right? And she grew up hearing stories from Uncle Remus. This was originally her dad's plantation or her husband's plantation. This was some dude's plantation before that dude died. And I think that dude was likely a piece of shit. And I think Miss Sally inherited a plantation. I like I think that what we're supposed to believe that in this situation is Miss Sally has always been on the progressive side of still not getting this shit right like i i i think that they're trying and i'm not saying that it's the right but thing it's not to her do, plantation but she's I fe- married uh, she's married to some dude in atlanta and it's her mom that has the place so i i but i i think that in the same way that my wife comes from a long line of trump supporters <laughs> i think miss sally is the fucking Lib- they weren't Trump supporters until Trump showed up, though. I know? I think Miss Sally is the libtard in a in a family full of magas. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. I there is not a single character in this movie that I hate more than Miss Sally. You hate you you hate Miss Sally more than you hate fucking Johnny's mom. 
Miss Sally is Johnny's mom. Oh, what's Johnny's grandma's name? I don't know. I'm talking about Johnny's grandma, bro. Okay, well, that, that, that's not Miss Sally. That's Miss Dotry or whatever. Are you sure Miss Sally ain't fucking grandma? Miss Sally's a goddamn mom. No, the mom's a piece of shit. Yeah, I no, that's what I'm talking about. I really hope people didn't turn this thing off thinking I was a Miss Sally apologist. <sighs> I'm talking about Johnny's grandma. No, I'm... I'm now I'm, are you following me here? I feel well, like... Well, now I am because you're calling people by the right names. I feel like Johnny's grandma inherited this fucking plantation. From and, her fucking husband, yeah. Right. And again, I think she's the libtard in a fucking room full of magas. And I think that's why Johnny's dad is already on the fucking run. Johnny grew up, or Johnny's dad grew up the same way, right? Like, Johnny's dad grew up with his fucking libtard mom fucking hanging out with... That's not his mom, that's Miss Sally's mom. No, that's his mom. No, it's Miss Sally's mom. God damn it! Did we watch the same movie? What I miss here? I've been eating. Miss Sally's the one. Uncle Remus gave Miss Sally all the fucking. She he told her all the stories and shit. She's it's his mom. No, she told him. No, his dad grew up hearing all the stories. No. Yeah, no, bro. No, I know I'm right on this one because they talk about that goddamn frog. Uncle Remus told his dad the stories, and his dad told Johnny the stories. No. Miss Sally has been a piece of shit the whole time. No, Miss Sally didn't stab Remus in the back. She just met this motherfucker. No, this is Johnny's grandma's a badass, and Johnny's dad is a badass. You think that that's Johnny's I, I, dad? I, I'm using the term badass loosely. She still has fucking indentured servants, but she treats them relatively. Ah, shut up. Uh, no, she, I, she's better than the man before. Again, still not great. But no, 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 no. It's Johnny's dad because that's when the fucking frog that has how can there be a tail? When there is no tail. That's some fucking wordplay right there, baby. That's some fucking Mark Twain shit right there. How can the, the tail of the frog? How can Mark they... Twain, great admirer of, of Mark Twain also of... Mark Twain also took some of the Uncle Remus stories by Joel Chandler Harris on the road and did performances of them. That's what he was good at. But okay, so now that we're clear here, Johnny's grandmama fucking has a great relationship with Uncle Remus. They have grown up uh, respecting each other. Not he, uh, not to the uh, level of okay. It's 1870. Up until five years ago, he was literally her slave. We're to... I, yes. Yes. And that shit's fucked up. But... And again, I'm not trying to be a fucking apologist here, but the way this story is told, we are supposed to hope amongst hopes that this is moving in the right direction not enough but god damn it why am i why do i have to be the guy i'm not making you the guy so i really like what uncle remus does which is he kind of plays into the boy's runaway scheme and he's like well I, you know he's like oh you're going to atlanta well um i i had an idea maybe i'd do that myself maybe we can go together and johnny's like oh, okay yeah let, let, let's go and he's like well how about i mean that's a long ass walk let's go to my place and get some fucking food before we go yeah and you know while of course while while johnny is in there then uncle remus um ensnares him in his uh web of I this sounds predatory now. Uh but uh he he, he weaves some stories, he, he roots Johnny down and 
to the to the point where he's under his spell. And Uncle he, Remus is fucking magic. Uncle Remus is magic. Uncle Remus. I don't think anybody could ever deny that. Yeah. There was a tale about Verbabbit not coming back to his briar patch. Well, bless my soul, child. I sure did. And if I don't take the Bible, you're going to pester me till I do. So what's the odds? Ain't no great tale, no lie. Is that the same Verbabbit? Got away from the fox? Well, don't you know that ain't but one Brer Rabbit? Now you just set yourself down here and listen. With both ears wide open. Cause this bear rabbit, he is the outdoorist, the most bodacious critter in the whole world. Now this year tale didn't happen just yesterday. Nor the day before. It was a long time ago. And in them days, everything was mighty satisfaction. The critters, they was closer to the folks, and the folks, they was closer to the critters. And if you'll excuse me for saying so, t'was better all round. Yes, sir, honey. It happened on one of them zippity-doo-dah days. Now, that's the kind of day when you can't open your mouth without a song jump right out of it. Zippity-doo-dah, my old man, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine in my way. Zippity-doo-dah, a Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. It's the truth. It's actual. Yeah, everything is satisfactual. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-a. Wonderful feeling, wonderful day. Yes, sir. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine in the Walt loved this guy. His favorite actor he ever worked with. Get the gist. It's one of the greatest Disney songs of all time. And that moment where we go from Uncle Remus telling a story in the dark to fucking Disney magic is they what they ran out of money or something it was like some, so, some kind of rush job so it, it actually I, I saw a little bit of that video you were watching it, it wasn't necessarily a rush job so much as the choreography the blocking for scenes like this and that's the hardest part of making something like a, a three caballeros or fucking Mary Poppins is when you're you've got live actors working with fucking cartoons I couldn't imagine what it was like making who framed Roger Rabbit when you've got live actors working with cartoons the blocking is the most important piece like which 
direction the actor looks, how they walk. And the blocking was fucked up. Like there was an animation before that initial uh, the blocking was fucked up so it wouldn't work with the animation. And so this was one of those things where Walt was like, all right, just his face, cover the only light in the room with a little piece of cardboard. And then when it's time for zippity doodah, just pull the cardboard away. So his entire face is illuminated and it looks like he's just been transported to this magical fucking world. And that's what they did. And it, it works so well because nobody else could figure out what to do like that's just walt doing his walt thing like they're all they like they said that they're sitting around in the fucking studio just watching the dollars tick away was the quote they used where what we're just sitting around in a circle watching the dollars go down the drain uh and walt was like just fucking cover the light with this piece of cardboard let's go it's gonna work and it fucking worked and like that that transition from this is kind of fucking spooky and mysticism and magical to holy shit uncle remus is magic and there's goddamn birds here listen to these hummingbirds sing uh is pure disney magic and it solidifies remus as this as this actual magical character like uncle remus is mary poppins he brought magic into the world for johnny and for all of the kids around him and like that that should say big moment and the 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 power of the the uncle remus character as the the storyteller god so you want to talk about uh you know the brer rabbit stories you you get uncle remus kind of as an inseparable part of of his own stories by he's he's talking to brer rabbit Brer rabbit's on his way out i'm moving out of this house mm-hmm. i'm moving out of here i'm fucking hammering this door shut I'm gone. This mm-hmm. fox trying to kill me. Well, I'm he's out. trying to get away from trouble. Basically, the the entire point of the story is you can't run from trouble. Trouble's always going to be waiting for you wherever you go. He, but he's he's always outsmarting. He can't he can't get away with his feet. He can only get away with his head. Um, he gets caught in a snare. Let's just call it a rope trap. Yeah. No, I caught that. I I was like, ooh, <laughs> this might have been bad imagery. Yeah, and there that happens again later. It's p- pretty, pretty standard issue snare. Though. It's a snare. Yeah, yeah. They, they use rope for a lot of things down there in the south. Um, I, 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 I quit looking at me like that. You know, we, we 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 are alluding to a very specific thing. Try again. No, it's not a noose. He's in a fucking snare. It quit <laughs> Can't run from trouble. Um, it's so good though. Like of all this, this is our first bit of animation. Like, like Zippity Doodah moving into the first Br'er Rabbit story is our first taste of animation in this thing. Fucking finally, because the cartoons are the best part for me. Definitely (laughs) above and beyond. Uh, but this shit like some of the cartoons we've been watching lately were a little boring for me but this is pure like like bright fun fucking birds and this is the shit that i fell in love with with snow white and pinocchio and fantasia also brer rabbit brer fox and brer bear they're the three characters and they're wonderfully voice acted and they're so fun and funny and the also scary as fuck too. and the, I mean, but the the personality coming through in each of them is is so truly disney and exciting and believable and it's some of the best disney animation work that we've seen 
I I like it better. Like I like these pieces better than than any of the the animation in Bambi or not Bambi in Cinderella. I like all of this animation better than anything I saw in Cinderella. Uh, I think it is better. I think it is more finished. I think it is more fun. I think it's more Disney. I I think there were less shortcuts. I think they put more. They've only got three characters to work with. Too. And and I think they put like I think they put more work and detail into a lot of this. The fucking the few times you get to see Critter Country is awesome. The fucking Briar Patch is scary and mystical all at the same time like the the imagery in this thing is fucking excellent and so much fun to watch uh and it's like it 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 is a goddamn shame that that piece of this isn't being isn't available isn't being enjoyed like because it is enjoyable it is fucking fun and the story behind it is fucking good. It's fun. You can't run away from trouble. And and watching watching fucking Br'er Rabbit talk his way out of that snare is funny. Yeah, like it's fucking funny. Uh, Br'er Bear is kind of the the comic relief of of the three. Br'er Rabbit is funny all by himself. I so is, so is Br'er Fox, but Br'er Bear is the the dolt. Yeah, Br'er Br'er Bear is the dummy. Uh, clearly, but but. Br'er Rabbit, sell everything is so flawlessly voice acted and so much fun. And it was happening at such a pace that the animators couldn't keep up with the voice acting. They had to ask the they had to ask everybody except Br'er Bear, slow down a little bit. Yeah, and the voice actors were um, were all black men. Yes. Um, some of most of them from the Amos and Andy show, including James Basket. Yeah. Um, James Basket. Voice of Br'er Fox. Uh, James Basket wasn't initially going to be the voice of Br'er Fox. James Basket wasn't initially going to be Uncle Remus. James Basket was going to be a fucking butterfly at first. And he got the role. He he, he is that butterfly. butterfly. He did get the role of butterfly. He got the role of the Br'er Fox, and then Walt liked him so much that he made him Uncle Remus. Well, Br'er Fox was actually somebody else, but Br'er Fox had to run off on a USO show uh, to sing to the boys in war uh, and fucking put on a put on a little song and dance routine so basket took over that too he also took over the very end sequence of Br'er rabbit yeah um because that was a guy named johnny lee who was also on the amos and andy show and uh and the guy that played Br'er bear i think was also on the amos and andy show probably anyways these guys were all black actors i really wanted to i had to stop before while i was enjoying the voice acting and go, is this another fucking Cliff Edwards situation? And it uh, turned out to not be. These were all black actors. And they were they were paid living wages comparatively to what they could have made mm-hmm. elsewhere. So that story wraps up, and then we're transported back to uh, the plantation where everybody's getting in trouble for Johnny being gone. It's way past his bedtime. Way the fuck past his bedtime. And this is where we see that Johnny's fucking grandma isn't necessarily a fucking monster. Because the reality of the situation is in anywhere else, if fucking Uncle Remus comes up with the white kid this late at night when everybody's been looking for him and his story is I was telling him stories, he is going to end up in his own air quotes fucking snare. Right? Like... 
Jesus, man. I'm just fucking saying. Like, I was honestly thinking the worst of this film. And in this moment when Uncle Remus walks up and he's like, hey, my bad. Like, I was just telling him stories and I lost track of time. This is when we see that Johnny's grandma's like, you and me, we're good. It's okay. And and, and he says, what, what's he say? Uh, you know, he's just trying to be like Br'er Rabbit or whatever. And, uh, and she says, if I want your advice, I'll ask for it. But that's as far as it goes. This is fucking Antebellum South. Anywhere else, he's minimum getting beat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, oh, it, am I wrong here? Like, if this was if this was fucking Quentin Tarantino, I think Toby's the one that's getting beat. Quentin Tarantino presents fucking Song of the South. Like Uncle Remus is getting beat to shit in this speaking, scenario. Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, um, they all look like. This whole thing looks like fucking Django Unchained. Uh, fucking Miss Sally looks like Calvin Candy's sister. Yeah. Like, this whole thing looks like goddamn Candyland. Here's the one thing I do like about Antebellum South is that everything is covered from head to toe except dim titties. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't see my ankles, you can't see my forearms, but goddamn, yeah, if you, you got can't that see cleave. everything right above my nipples yeah. squeezed together real hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so much cleave, dude. Yo, Toby wants to go fucking catch some frogs. Johnny wants to go catch some frogs. They're gonna go catch some frogs, and then they decide to dress Johnny up like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he does like a he. He looks a fool. He he's in like a little a little crush. He looks like fucking Austin Powers with lace around his neck. He's wearing a fucking. He's wearing a, a tablecloth from my grandma's house. You know, and it sucks. That I'm I'm feeling so sorry for Johnny, and I'm like. You know, it does suck for Johnny, uh, but not near as much as it sucks for everyone else. <laughs> just being alive there. Do Doby just pretending not to not to see Johnny's fucking ridiculous collar because he knows if he does, he's going to get beat worse than <laughs> Uncle Remus did when he was late bringing Johnny home unannounced. Yeah. Uh, we get the Lampwick brothers, um, also called the Favors. Um, they have a dog and they're going to drown it, I guess. That's rude. Uh, did you, did you catch at all that they're supposed to also represent Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear? I definitely got that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. They're the shitheads. Yeah. They're clearly the shitheads, but this kid isn't like the, the big boy isn't nearly dumb enough. He's just not, he, he's the worst actor in the whole thing. Um, they are, they're pure fucking white trash. Yeah. The favors. Uh, their only saving grace in their whole family is Jenny. Um, and I don't like her that much. <laughs> She's nice enough. She gives him a dog, I, but. I, I hate her squeaky ass voice. Um. Yeah, she sounds like, uh, she sounds. They were gonna drown him. They, she sounds like, uh, all of the singing in Snow White, but worse. Yeah. Yeah. You've been playing with them boys? No, Uncle Remus. Then I ask you, where you come from? You better turn around and talk that dog right back. But he's mine. Jenny gave him to me. What your mom gonna say when you come home with that dog? She ain't gonna allow you to have no mangy, no cow puppy like that. I respect everybody's uh, opinions about the dog. What is that supposed to mean? What do you mean you respect everybody's opinions on the dog? Doctor, don't, don't, don't bring a fucking dog home. 
Is this, is this dad mode kicking in? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, don't bring don't bring a fucking dog home. Expect that dog to have a house home here, my house. <laughs> <laughs> They're so happy. Just tilling the fields, working hard. Coming coming home with the fucking plow. Yeah, they're going to eat some fucking bacon fat and chitlins. Yeah. Hey, you favorite boys, go on home. Ain't I told you? Roll the Ain't going to some hands? Fuck some favorite boys. So I want to I, I want to illustrate um, a little segment of Brer Rap, or sorry, rather Brer Fox and Brer Bear talking to each other. Chick up in here. James Vasquez was also one of the crows in Dumbo. Yes. I refuse to believe that Donkey from Shrek wasn't ripped off completely from Brer Fox. You think? Could it have not been? Do you not do you not get full Brer Fox vibes from Donkey? Brer Fox is an antagonist. Isn't Donkey? No, he's a sidekick. He's a he's a lovable antagonist. No, Farquaad's the antagonist. Farquaad's the bad guy. It's a DreamWorks joint. We're gonna go there. <laughs> So Johnny starts to kind of appropriate the lessons of of Br'er Rabbit in his life. Basically, in in the one that we just saw, I guess it's a, it's a different story. It, a different story. Well, basically, you know, we can we can wrap it all up in one thing. Um, Johnny wants to not have a thing happen, and so he says, "Well, do all these other things." But not this one thing. Or wait, it's the other way around. No, so we, <laughs> you haven't got so uh, the story of the Tar Baby is broken up into two parts, and you haven't really got to part two. And part one, Br'er Fox creates the Tar Baby, and I don't an, think that the Tar Baby story is all that compelling. Ah, uh, I was confused as to where we were going at the beginning. Uh, I didn't. I because I was like it's funny watching them switch the hats. That part's great. I didn't understand. Oh, okay, okay, well, okay, okay. Yeah, the second part of the Tar Baby story is like, what are they gonna do to him? 
hey, hang me, please. Skin me, please. Yeah. Break my head open, please, but don't throw me into the briar patch. Whatever you patch. do, don't throw me in the briar patch. Yeah. And uh, the only reason that Br'er Rabbit ever gets out of anything is because Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are so fucking stupid. And easily, it's the art of misdirection. It, it, now, Br'er Fox's greed and Br'er Bear is just fucking stupid. Stupid brute force, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Br'er, Br'er Fox thinks he's too smart for his own good. And he's Br'er all- Fox is, is, is uh, unadulterated like cruelty yeah. and, and, and competition. Yes. Yeah. Br'er Bear's just, he just wants to knock his fucking head off. Yeah. He doesn't even know why he wants to kill him. He's just like, well, if you want him dead, here's the Br'er best Fox way is, to kill Br'er him. Br'er Fox is Hulk. Br'er Bear? Uh, yeah, rather Br'er Bear is Hulk. I feel like that was a much bigger mistake than when I confused Miss Sally and Grandma. It was much more easily remedied. <laughs> um, but please, whatever you do, uh, in, in that moment when the when when Br'er Rabbit says "skin me alive" and he like runs the claws down his own face, uh, that shit like. Br'er Fox it's is really good animation. Is scary in this moment. Like the teeth are so teethy and the claws are so clawy. There's no better way to put. I'm sure there actually is a better I, way to put that. I'd say the teeth are toothy. Uh, that's a better way to say it. Uh, but G O N N A. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say uh, that shit was fucking spooky. Like that was scary to watch, and and you're really you're worried. You're worried right now for Br'er Rabbit. Like you're invested in this bad boy, and uh, uh, he tells him, "Don't whatever you do, don't throw me in the briar patch." And this idea of uh, reverse psychology comes to play when Johnny gets to be Br'er Rabbit and tell the fucking favor boys, "Listen, tell my mom." Tell the priest. Tell your grandma. Just don't tell your own mother. Whatever you do, don't tell your own mother. Because... Because Jenny's already told him. Jenny has told them if my mom finds out, she's going to physically abuse these boys (laughs) to the point of trauma. Which, uh, these kids, they're the kind of kids that you went to high school with, and they're going to end up dead in jail or in the army. Or all of the above. Sure. In a different order. Mm Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, these kids have, uh, these kids have worked through half of an associate's degree paid for by... They killed somebody by being on quad, or fucking, uh, bars. Xanax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these kids still go to high school parties. They bristle when you say that they're a murderer. Every now and then. (laughs) Yeah. These kids are Phil Beach. (laughs) Phil Beach stole a boat. I think that's much more harmless. (laughs) He stole a boat with his bare self. <laughs> you and Uncle Remus both. Your daughter looks like the lead singer for Hanson. My daughter looks a little bit like Gallagher. <laughs> Here we go. 
She's singing about her pussy. What? Coming around, begging around for her cooking. That's her cooking. You think she's singing about her puss? Yes. Right there to Uncle Remus in front of the kids and everything? There are no kids. There will be. Not at their age. I mean, you've got a sister. Excuse me? Saying your dad was pretty old <laughs> when you got a sister. Yeah, but he didn't father my sister on a Hattie McDaniel. I mean, Aunt Tempe, she's old. Actually, um, you think Hattie McDaniel's is older than Uncle Remus? Like IRL? No, like in the film, she looks much younger than Remus. Remus has been around for centuries. It feels. This guy was forty-two. James Basket. Yeah. And how uh, old was Hattie? I don't know. Doesn't matter. All I do know is that he died two years after this filming. We got another Benchley situation. Miss <laughs> 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 um, Sally is a cunt. Yes. Um, what happens? The, the, the fucking dog... Teen Chi or whatever the fuck they call the dog. Uh, I believe the, the, the favorite boys are gonna drown the dog. Do you do you think that's where Little Wayne got his little Toon Chi uh, number? No. I don't even know what you're talking about, and I don't think so. Young Toon Chi. No, no, that it's a total, it's a different word. <laughs> Tim, Tim. Maybe we should have live streamed The fires it. of absolution. <laughs> uh, and and those fires need fuel, and that fuel is uh, Jepson's Malort. I'm, I'm too far south. I need I need a little taste of the north, the or at mid- least the Midwest. The Midwest. Yeah. Uh, did you see what I just laid on you in terms of what me and Alexis are going to do for this companion piece? Uh, what is it? Lemonade Mouth. What the fuck is Lemonade Mouth? I don't know. I've never seen it, but now this is called Song, Song of, of the, the Mouth. Mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miss Sally, don't be too hard on him. He was just trying to be like Br'er Rabbit. Oh, he was trying to be like fucking Br'er Rabbit, was he? Quit telling those stories, Uncle Remus. I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist that you quit telling him those stories. I didn't want to have to do this, but... 
Stop telling him stories. Yeah. Which... This is white supremacy <laughs> right here. Yeah, it's fucking rude. This ba- is his fucking home. The bare minimum, it's rude as shit. This kid's running into his goddamn house. And this fucking princess from Atlanta shows up. And now it's like, hey, my kid's being a dumbass and it's your fucking fault. And you gotta fucking take off your hat and bow your head low. Because you're telling him some stories and he's acting like a jackass. Um, fuck Miss Sally. You're right. And yes, fuck Miss Sally. So she's like, hey, um, I'm going to throw you a, it's your birthday on Tuesday, Johnny. I'm going to throw you a birthday party. How about, how about you bring your little girlfriend with you? How about you go get that poor kid? No, she doesn't even want that bitch. She doesn't even want Jenny. She's like, hey, I'm going to cart in a bunch of fucking kids from God knows where. What, did she just have a fucking train show up with a bunch of rent-a-kids from Atlanta? Where do these kids come from? That from I I I feel like they're moving from Savannah to Atlanta. I didn't hear anything about Savannah. Anyways, he's like, "Hey, can Jenny come to my party with all these other kids?" And Sally's like, oh, but "You're already gonna have so many." Kids. Do you, Do you really want the poor girl to come? Yeah, and then uh, fucking Grammy's like, uh, "So one more kid won't fucking matter, will it, bitch?" Well, because Granny's a badass. She's not a badass, but she's cooler than Miss Sally. Jenny's dress gets fucked up by her brothers. Uh, her brothers are pieces of fucking shit that just walk behind doing the fucking uh, mimicking, mocking. When Jenny fell in the mud, two things happened. One, this was that moment I told you about earlier when I thought my daughter had impaled herself on a rocking chair. Two, <laughs> Jenny's cries. Uh, Jenny's fake cries, I should say, sound exactly like my own daughter's fake cries. Like the one where I'm like, in this house, we don't fake cry. If you're upset, you say you're upset. Fake crying gets you nothing. Just tell me what you're feeling. Uh, And Jenny's cries as an actress sounded exactly like Addie's (laughs) fake cries. Uh, and those two things combined made my brain uh, implode on itself. Could have been the edibles from earlier mixing with that thought of my own daughter dying on a rocking chair, mixing with the annoyance of a fake cry, but I really hated Jenny in the mud. I don't know why. It just, I hated Jenny. I'm still Jenny in the mud. <laughs> don't be fooled by these dudes. They're my buds. I'm still, I'm still Jenny in the mud. Used to have a cow. She would chew her cud. Don't tell the stories, Uncle Remus. He's going to tell the story anyway. It's his job. It's not just his job. It's his nature. He's a storytelling god. He's trying to make the kids feel better. He starts laughing about the laugh in place. Uh, Br'er Rabbit, uh, tells a story, I mean, uh, Uncle Reems tells a story about Br'er Rabbit, he's about to get roasted on the fucking fire pit, he's finally run out of tricks, and then he starts talking about his laughing place, and Br'er Bear, Br'er Bear wasn't there, I don't know that Br'er Rabbit would have been able to get out of, uh, any of these situations. Br'er, Br'er Bear, Br'er Bear lets Br'er Rabbit out of everything, yeah, no, <laughs> if, it were, if it were just Br'er Fox, he got eaten the first time. Yeah. He was stuck in the it's fucking like net. Yeah. yeah, without Br'er Bear, you're dinner, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So Br'er Bear wants to see Br'er Rabbit's laughing place. Uh, uh, Br'er Fox this... is like, I want to kill him. Please, can we kill him? 
And Br'er Bear's like, no. In this situation, I really felt like me in high school as Br'er Bear. Uh, and somebody was like, listen, I know it doesn't Wait, sound like is, a lot of fun. Is Br'er Bear finger banging the ugliest chicks in school? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That hurt. It felt like it felt like Br'er Rabbit says to Br'er Bear, I know where to get some pretty good weed. And Br'er Bear's all like, let's just hear him out. Uh, Let's go see Eric in America. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of us has to wait in the car for no reason. <laughs> I didn't make the rules. Neither did neither did Eric or America. <laughs> what a weird time. I've... Weed should be legalized only so that no one ever has to deal with buying drugs from a drug dealer. Once I was out of high school, I never had any problems buying drugs from drug dealers. But that that high school experience is just awful. That's because y'all relegated me to the realm of guy that has to sit in the car for no fucking reason. <laughs> you remember that time? we Were you in the car when Zach Ramsey got jumped for all his money? Um... Classic misdirection on the part of Brer Rabbit. (laughs) 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 www.porn.com Uncle Remus, at this point, you stay away from my fucking son. Yeah, I I hate... your tales, I knew you couldn't help it with your stories... You just stay the fuck away from Johnny. Stay the way. Stay away from my boy. Remus can't handle it. He's going to Atlanta. Now he's uh, he called. It's the first use of the uh, of the term Hotlanta by Uncle Remus. <laughs> now here's my situation here. Uncle Remus has maybe been a freeman for three to seven years, max. In this canon, right? So the thing that makes Uncle Remus decide, you know what, I'm leaving this place, is the fact that the little white boy can't come hear stories anymore. Are you you drawing some salacious ties here? Why in the why in the last seven years hasn't Uncle Remus decided he was going to leave before Miss Sally says you can't tell stories to my boy? Because stories is all he's got. But why is this the moment? Because his kid's living on his fucking property now, and he knows. Is it is it Miss Sally? Is he like fuck this? If this bitch lives here, I'm out. Yeah, I think so. Fuck Miss Sally. Fuck Miss Sally. Fuck Miss Sally. Sally. Looks like Calvin Candy's sister. Um. Anyways, Remus is leaving. Um. Johnny can't stay away from Uncle Remus. He's under his spell. He runs to. Uh, see him, um, and um, he sees that Uncle Remus is leaving. Miss Sally goes and she's like, "Hey, what what's wrong, Johnny?" And he's like, "Uncle Remus is leaving." And she's like, "Oh, I'm afraid this is Mother's fault." I did. Th- I'm sorry, Uncle Remus is leaving because I'm an absolute fucking cunt. And then uh, they see him getting in the carriage and he's going off. And uh, Johnny chases him across the field that has the, the scary bull in it that we forgot to mention earlier. 
Now, we have learned from Walt and every movie ever that if you see a bull in Act 1... Especially if you're where, yeah. He's going <laughs> to yeah. shoot you in Act yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny is, is dressed in a, a crimson crushed velvet Austin Powers outfit. <laughs> so he's going to get gored by that bull. And gored he does get. And by gored, I mean he gets a bad fever. He gets a real bad fever. They got to put that in 19... 19- they put a rag on his head. It doesn't matter. All of the slaves have to stand outside of the plantation singing... Yahoo, Doris, Yahoo. <laughs> Who forest white boy white boy please don't die damn it i'm afraid we haven't done this justice <laughs> just got away from us the one that we had to be very tender-footed about i'm being <laughs> so i'm passing I'm, I'm dying from my from my bull fever. Uncle Remus, Uncle Remus. And Grandma's like, I'm going to go get Uncle fucking Remus. Uncle Remus, you're my property. Get in here. Come inside this house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you see um, Uncle Remus is is whispering him tales of Br'er Rabbit. And then you see the iconic little baby hand, white boy hand, going and, and uh, grabbing Uncle Remus's big grizzled fucking. This is hand. a big fucking deal, though. In 1946, this is a big fucking deal. Like, this is fucking Black Postman fucking soaking his feet with Mr. Rogers fucking big deal. Like, yeah, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this and, and, is a very progressive, progressive stance in 1946. In that particular scene, yes. In uh, that one also, moment. Also, there's yeah. a, lot of, uh, a lot of black kids hanging out with white kids. Um, it's still in like the wrong setting, but they're, they're doing some things that are progressive in, in this packaging that is just, it just doesn't work now. It, now. And it didn't, it worked then. And it, it didn't. Either. They tried so hard. The 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 real issue here is they just should have never tried. It's like if we had made that Proud Family Robinson episode. And I'm so glad we did. Me too. Because it's not our fucking story to tell. It is not fair, just, or right for us to assume that this is our story to tell. N- in the same way that this was not Walt's story to tell. Sharing it with your kids as a morality tale, as a creation myth, is one thing. And sharing it with the world as Walt Disney is kind of an abuse of power. That being said, this was not Walt's story to tell. The Road to Hell paved with good intentions. So many times. And, we, and it... it, 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 it kind of has to be said in this situation because it's not okay and we're not I'm not trying to make an excuse for for failing but there were so so many steps in the right direction that just came up short Walt fighting for James Basket to get an Academy Award, but that uh, that and making you, you know sh- about you know about like the nature of that award, right? Well, it's the 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 first fucked up piece is 
they so now that we've we've sort of finished the movie, we can talk a bit about the fact that yeah yeah we're, we're done we're done we're the, done the uh, premi- get hit by a bull uh, this he's is the fine. power of the stories yeah yeah he's fine they they touch hands but everybody now, sings zippity fucking doo zippity goddamn doo-dah. literally now that this movie has come out, it's time to talk about the premiere of it, and we know that that James Basket wasn't allowed to attend the premiere because for some goddamn reason they fucking screened this thing for the first time in Atlanta. And that said, he didn't go because he couldn't participate in most events. There is a there is a an urban legend that he couldn't even get a hotel in Atlanta and there were lots of hotels around the area that were black owned and 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 would have welcomed him but the fucked up pieces in choosing Atlanta in 1946 as the place for this premiere when everything else is premiering in Hollywood uh, means that he that James Baskett the star of this fucking thing the 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 the, the god creature the 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 weaver of stories is not allowed to attend the premiere because while he would be able to go to the theater and sit in some shitty seat also fucked up he couldn't go to the party afterwards he couldn't participate in most he of I, he wasn't he, allowed in the fucking theater he couldn't he wasn't wa- allowed in the theater in Atlanta. uh and that's there's no reason that that needed to happen there um, i mean it's the same it's a uh Gone with the Wind with with it's the same thing with Hattie McDaniel. It, it, it's exactly the same thing, and it's uh, like and she, she wasn't allowed at the at the premiere of Gone with the Wind, and uh, when she received her Academy Award, she was in a fucking corner. And, table. and this is the point where there are no more apologies, right? There is no more excuse. They didn't have to have this fucking premiere in Atlanta, and this was one of those shitty Disney business decisions, right? Because they're scared. No, and now, now, now is people, when we. What, I mean, what we, are black people going to say about this movie? Mm-hmm. What are people that hate black people going to say about this movie? Did we create a movie where only a weird, small niche of liberal people in rural America are willing to watch this fucking movie? And they sugarcoated and whitewashed so many things and making the and decision they left out statements that that should, absolutely should have been fucking made. needed to be fucking made and having the premiere in Atlanta is essentially inexcusable there's no reason this needed to premiere in fucking Georgia it none other than maybe taxes the only thing i can think is fucking money well but, let, let's talk about let's talk about the reception of this movie because uh, I mean this movie made a fuck ton of money it didn't not I, yes and no it made it made a little over two million uh, like 2.6 million dollars at a cost of almost a million dollars and this was one of those things where Disney threw a ton of money at this fucking project and all of his friends are like this is a bad idea Walt you can't do this. And uh, he, this is n- contrary to what I've heard. He throws uh, a million. He, he, I, I, he throws I, I, a million dollars that, at this. I feel like thing. they made money off of this. It's a thing. it's a profitable movie. Don't get me wrong. It is a profitable movie. They make money. He spends a million dollars in the premiere. They make two point six. They make their money back and then some. In today's terms, it's not like wow, this was a really successful movie. But yes, it made its fucking money back. Uh, it absolutely made its money back. 
and it is still available everywhere but here for the same fucking reasons the only reason you can't fucking buy this movie on vhs or dvd right now in america is the same idea where walt's friends were like i don't know if we should fucking do this because instead of putting a disclaimer on disney plus and saying this is important to see as a piece of Disney history, but we really missed the mark on these things or even putting that disclaimer in the original feature because Walt knew it was the right thing to do. They they wanted to make a fucking sugar-coated, whitewashed thing that everyone would be okay with buying. So, um... The NAACP was decidedly against this movie, not as vehemently as you might think. Um, Their official statement was, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People recognizes, in Song of the South, remarkable artistic merit in the music and in the combination of living actors and the cartoon technique. It regrets, however, that in an effort to neither offend audiences in the North or South, the production helps to perpetuate a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. Making use of the beautiful Uncle Remus folklore, Song of the South unfortunately gives the impression of an idyllic master-slave relationship, which is a distortion of the facts. The problem there is that the man who wrote that, Didn't see the movie. Walter Francis White, never saw the movie. Right. He is taking notes based on having watched the trailer and then well, he, and re, he might have sort gotten, of regurgitating. He might have gotten, gotten to write that because he's a man, and the two people that did see that were women. Were women, yeah. exactly. And so he wrote what they what they gave him um, to write. One of the women said, "It's so artistically beautiful that it is difficult to be provoked over the cliches. However, it contains all the cliches in the book." The but then Hattie McDaniel's goes on to say if I had one if I had for one moment considered any part of the picture degrading or harmful to my people I would not have appeared therein, uh, and that's that was the same time when James Bas James right, Baskin said you can't said, you can't just take Hattie McDaniel's no voice right but that. then but then James Basket says I believe that certain groups are doing my race more harm in seeking to create dissension than can ever possibly come out of the song of the south and that is a fair statement it's a fair statement from that that, that that's his that's his worldview that's his, his right and we I, I I can't speak to that I it would not be fair for me to speak to that piece um but the 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 criticism of this started before it was ever released right and the NAACP had views but different different journalists also had different views and it it really feels like from 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 all aspects of this thing that the views are mixed on 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 it's literally a 50 it, it is it is literally 50 50 and i i am of the belief that there are we are in a position where i think we can all agree that this shit is problematic but i'm also on the same page as say Whoopi goldberg was when she received her disney legends award back in 2017 she got an award for for her work with uh 
the Lion King as, as well as other things that Whoopi Goldberg has has worked on. And in receiving that award, she mentioned the belief that she thinks the Song of the South should be re-released and available for everyone, if for no other reason than to start this conversation. It is an incredible piece of art. It is an incredible piece of cinematography. It is an incredible piece of animation. The songs are beautiful. The acting is above and beyond what we have seen from anything else so far. This is everybody at their very best making a decision that they should have never made. And because of this, I'm on the same page as Whoopi when I think that this needs to be out there for everyone to see so that we can have the conversation we're having right now. The other piece of that obviously being that all of this conversation isn't mine to have. But I enjoyed this thing. Well, we're making it ours to have because we're putting it on our fucking podcast. It, 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 is, it is our podcast, but I, I don't think this... I, I think this is just the beginning of the Song of the South conversation for us as podcasters and for 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 us as a brand i think this is the beginning of us recognizing this era of disney there are so many but it never it it never gets it never gets more real than this one this is this is absolutely the most real and this is when this conversation has to start i mean it's at some point in this in this season uh, we're going to get into what makes the red man red or whatever yes that'll that'll be a 10 minute long conversation these are the blemishes Um, this one, they they try to sweep under the fucking rug. So they have. So let's let's. I think we I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into that. I again, I don't believe that this is the end of this conversation for us as Disney Plus and Incussin. And I fucking I can't help but appreciate the Disney magic that is evident in this film. But we need to talk a little bit about how much Disney has tried to sweep this under the rug in America only, and it's not banned. We were able to watch it on fucking... We were able to watch it on the internet through archive.net, the Way Way Back Machine. Just Google the Way Back Machine and it'll take you to anywhere you want to go. You can find all sorts of things. A lot of the history that we work towards is listed there in websites that just aren't available anymore because nobody gives a shit sometimes. But uh, what we're really looking at here is the the dark side of, of... what will what will happen and again this is this is just the beginning i got lost <laughs> i got i got lost in my own conversation um but as we move forward the we are going to see so many talented people making poor decisions and speaking of poor decisions those decisions need to be available and relevant speaking and of poor Disney decisions has, that are available um Carly Rae Jepsen's Malort <laughs> uh these, as we take the sip of Malort, and that's a bad idea, we are going to see people at their peak of talent doing things that they shouldn't do and saying things that they shouldn't say. And I think that as we learn more, we will revisit this later because we have we have started a conversation here and it took us a lot to find this content, but there's more to be said and because of it i'm open to learning more which is why again i agree with whoop this shit needs to be out there oh so that we can understand where we came from and we can understand what not to do again and we can learn the lessons we're supposed to learn while still appreciating the fact that they weren't taught to us the way they were supposed to be taught to us or that they should have ever 
been taught to us. That being said, I'm also really excited to watch Lemonade Mouth. I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that is. But stay tuned, because that's what's up next. Some of what is, uh, some of what we've experienced today is what one might call unconscionable. But with uh, Tim Q. Mouse and uh, Br'er Deefy, you never have to worry. You just have to always let your conscience be your guide. I just paid $16.23 USD to the Microsoft Corporation. For what? Um, Xbox Gold or uh, Xbox, Xbox Ultimate. Yeah. yeah.